1: Out of nowhere, Chaplin shoves the <laughs> knife in, picks up fifty beans. Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now
2: here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. This is Recotopia episode 59. I'm Chris Atkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. And once again, would like to acknowledge the chat out there. People are coming out here to uh, watch us on a Tuesday do this podcast. Today's big recommend is a twofer. Got two shorts. Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. the immigrant from 1917 and a dog's life from 1918 charles chaplin uh shorts be interesting to talk about those that's going to make this a different podcast already um Mm -hmm. but uh Mm -hmm. how you doing today jeremy i'm feeling good i'm feeling good Mm -hmm. i'm
1: uh starting to get a little bit of uh restedness back after the events of sin week yeah um but uh Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. I had never seen either of these shorts that Mm. we're going to talk about today. Yeah.
2: And uh, it should be a fun, lively discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Do you have any small recommends? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's
1: small. It's tiny. It's petite. It's wee. I do. And and for those who who prefer our recommends to be movies, I apologize up front. Because again, last week was Sin Week and I was here and there everywhere. And I think I totaled up that I drove about 500 miles Mm. in four days, even though it was all just in and around Nashville and back home. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have not seen a lot of movies, uh, and I've already recommended most of the stuff I saw before that period. So my two recommends are not movies, but I hope you will enjoy them. The first one is a game that we played at a small pre-Sins event with some of the attendees called Chameleon. Mm. And I, uh, I noticed you were playing. Looked like some sort of blockbuster video-based trivia movie trivia game or something. Yeah, it was like um, a.
2: It was. It was mostly just kind of your partner gives you a clue and then you have to guess what the movie is from that clue Ooh. and there's four different categories one's like from a, you, you you say some like a quote from it it can be a fake quote if it needs to be one is that you act it out one is you know there's all those different kinds of things anyway all right well um i and i did, uh, first i played giant jenga uh
1: which was a uh, wicked fun mm-hmm. and then uh, i went around and played this chameleon game the rest of the time through um, And I found it incredibly fun. I'm going to try and describe it to you. Basically, they have these topic cards, like <clears throat> science fiction. Uh, and on there, there'll be, I don't know, 16, 24 different examples. Alien, and The Martian, Star Wars, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then <clears throat> everyone is given a card. And everyone but one person's card has this grid on it, like letters across, numbers down, um, and that will give you a letter and a number. And then, I'm sorry, this sounds complicated at first. One person's card says, you are the chameleon. All right? And so then everyone does their little George at the vending machine, lines up after you roll the dice, the, the letter and number, and you find out, let's say it's B4. So you look at the topic card, and it says B4, you go down to that, and let's say it's Jurassic Park. So then... What happens next is everyone goes around in a circle and you say something, a single word that describes that movie, but you don't want to be too specific and you don't want to be too vague because at the end, everyone's going to point to who they think is the chameleon because the chameleon does not know which movie on this card everyone's talking about. He didn't get the grid. He only got a card that said, you are the chameleon. Mm -hmm. And so he has to try and make up a word that might fit for any of the movies on the card or go by what the other people are saying and try and blend in. So, for instance, one was uh, countries and Australia was the answer, but one of the guys who was the chameleon put mountains as his response Mm -hmm. and all of us pointed to him at the end because (laughs) Australia is not really known for mountains. And he was just guessing based on what everybody else said. So, if you pick the correct chameleon, he gets a chance to look at the card and guess which one you were talking about. And if he's right, He wins the round. There's no points or prizes. Okay. If you pick the wrong person as the chameleon, then the chameleon wins the round and everybody else loses that round. Okay. And then you go again. Uh, And as you play and people kind of get the idea, it starts getting trickier and trickier to know who the chameleon is because everyone's getting uh, really good at using words that do describe the movie but are also pretty vague. Yeah. Um, And so I bought it. I already have it. It came like two days ago um <laughs> i loved it so much and i'm gonna play it with my family or anytime i have people over uh really simple concept that provided a lot of great fun i think everybody there said they really enjoyed playing it so that's yeah. what i recommend if you've never played this game just check it out
2: <clears throat> that does sound fun that does sound like a lot of fun um uh i, I wasn't big on the blockbuster game but uh, slab uh, is saying in the chat uh, it might be better with a big a big group of people to play that uh, we had four so it was two teams of two and and so it was it, you know it, it, it had it had some some good stuff to it but we maybe not got the full effect of that that chameleon sounds really fun
1: it was really really fun <clears throat> um
2: i also didn't really watch anything over the past week but i'm i'm drawing from my well of movies that i watched just before our best of 2022 Uh, episode and everything and one the last one that i saw i watched i watched 12 movies in three days okay there was a a period of time there where it was just like bang 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 It was like all day watching movies and getting four or five in in one day sometimes uh the last one that i watched uh before we did the podcast was argentina 1985 which was up for best uh international film uh it lost all all quiet on the western front but this one uh i would not have uh been unhappy if it had won uh um i don't know everything about the politics of argentina back in the 1980s i uh i i i'm I'm, you know i'm i'm worse than the average american on that sorry guys (laughs) um but uh but i do know that there was a uh a uh, brutal regime that was in that was in power up until 1983 and then a democratically elected president came in with the promise that he would punish all the people who who committed uh, out outright atrocities while they were in power and uh so the, the movie's plot centers around a, uh, a district attorney who's going to be willing to go up against the former power of this country, which still has a lot of popular sentiment amongst the people in this, in this movie. So it's hard to find somebody who's willing to prosecute, get a team who's willing to, pro- to, to help you out, and to get uh, people who are sympathetic you know get a get a judge maybe that's going to that's going to hear your case fairly even though the new the new guys in you still have a lot of people who are uh sympathetic to the old regime and so a lot of the a lot of the movie focuses on this guy trying to find people who actually went to prison for whatever reason during this period of time before 19 before 1985 and tell them of the atrocities that happened while they were in prison under the name of they were terrorists or whatever. And of course, when you are out searching for terrorists or anybody that you think might be against you, or maybe you're not even looking at that anymore, you're just like throwing people in jail for no reason, you, the power that you have uh, at that point is, uh, is is usually going to be pretty corrupt and there are some harrowing stories people are telling on the stand of like, you know, women who came in to prison, who got raped repeatedly, uh, people who lost their people who lost their family. There were people who were just disappeared, uh, you know, never found them again, type of stories going on. And there's still, uh, there's still, even with all this, there's still a lot of, uh, wonder of whether or not they'll be able to, to uh to put these guys in prison and these people who are up, who are being uh who are being prosecuted are like uh big time like generals and people who were in the government and you know and and people who were like you know once at a high lofty position that have still have a lot of power. Um, hmm. Watching this is a in when you strip it down it's just a it's just a very intense courtroom drama but it's got a lot of humor in it too. Uh, hmm. It's a really, really fascinating movie I can't remember where I saw it I think it was on Amazon I saw this movie On Prime uh, I think it hmm. was free on Prime If you want to watch this This is a really, really good movie The guy on the left, by the way I've seen a couple of Argentinian films And he was in both of them uh, Oh, interesting Yeah, so he's he's definitely one of their major stars And I, can't, I mean, unfortunately can't remember his name right now But uh but um but argentina 1985 jeremy i know for a fact you'd love this movie um it's it's uh it's long ish i guess it's two hours and 20 minutes that's still pretty that's pretty good but it's really it's well worth your time
1: all right excellent excellent i uh i know i heard you talk highly about it when we had the best of the year discussion Mm -hmm. so I'll uh, bump it further up the list. And it is on Amazon Prime for a regular subscription, so it's mm-hmm. free on Amazon Prime. Yep. Um, <clears throat> all right, my second recommend, I did not get through an episode of television that I am sure I will recommend next week when I finish this episode. Uh, so my second recommend is also not a movie or a show, and it is something I learned all about for the first time on Sunday morning, and that is Drink Shrubs. Drink Shrubs. Um, so we went for a brunch, the sins team, um, after sin week before everybody drove and flew out of town and went you know, crashed at home and napped for 18 hours. Um, (laughs) and uh, they had three mocktails. I, I don't drink cocktails because I, I enjoy wine, (laughs) but I, uh, I don't enjoy liquor. Uh, Mm -hmm. neither does my stomach. Um, so for the first time in my life, I thought maybe I'll get a mocktail and mm. uh, one of them, uh, Blackberry, was featured prominently, and I love blackberries. Um, so I just decided to order it. It was called Berry is the New Black, because they give mocktails funny names. Mm-hmm. Um, and the recipe there said um, basil, lemon juice, blackberry, apple cider vinegar, and ginger beer. <clears throat> And yes, Jeremy plus wine is good time. Jeremy plus liquor, much sicker. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Patrick. Um, and this was fucking delicious. Oh, yeah. Um, it was fizzy. It was tart. It was blackberry sweet. And I ordered a second one. Uh, and halfway through the second one, I got up and went back up to the the hostess stand and asked if I could see a menu because I wanted to reread what the ingredients were, thinking oh, I'll make this at home. And she said, which one did you get? And I said, Barry is the new black. She goes, that's the best drink on the menu. (laughs) And I was like, okay, great. (laughs) And so I raved about it so much that Danae, uh, and this is so like a great insight into her nature. She had just heard me raving about the drink that when the waitress came up, she asked her, hey, how did you guys make this drink? She said, well, I'll go talk to the bartender. So she goes and talks to the bartender and comes back with like the full recipe. But, and here's where we get to the drink shrubs. They use their own shrubs. Mm -hmm. And I thought, hmm, shrubs. shrub is not a a small bush in this instance. Um, It is actually uh, the term for a steeped, uh, infused um, drink base. So they take apple cider vinegar, blackberries, and basil leaves, and they put it, they soak it all together, and then they strain it, and that is their drink shrub. And Hmm. they use it for more than one drink. And for my drink, they put a little bit of that in the bottom of the glass. Then they put like a quarter of a tablespoon of lemon juice and fill the rest of it up with ginger beer. And the potency of that shrub then fills all the rest of that drink up. And so I've already been to two stores looking for ingredients to buy to make my own drink shrub, Hmm. just so I can make this cocktail, mocktail, that doesn't have liquor at home hmm. um so i went down a rabbit hole uh yesterday afternoon on the internet looking up drink shrubs how to make them you can pre-buy some they bottle and sell them um but uh there you go i had a little bit of a explosion of knowledge yeah. and i might become a, a mocktail craft guy at home i don't know We'll <laughs> see.
2: <laughs> i didn't have this and i and i must have been like uh in a different world while i was eating because i didn't hear you talk about this at all you were sitting right next to me so i don't know <laughs> uh, i didn't even know that this was this this drink was that much of a revelation for you i will have to take it was a, i will have to uh i'll have to drink one of these myself one day yeah
1: like, i mean all you have to do is uh, find an excuse to go back to that restaurant oh yeah it's yeah, yeah. always a good time that'll be really hard it'll it. be really yeah. difficult darn
2: yeah. <laughs> um all right, continuing on, uh, uh, going through the well of movies that I watched uh, before our best of, uh, Bill Nye was uh, nominated for an Oscar uh, for the movie Living, which is a mm. um, it is a remake of Akira Kurosawa's Akiru, um, which is about a bureaucracy in in motion not motion um basically it starts off with a bunch of women who want to uh clear off this one part of the neighborhood for a park and they've gone to this government building for help to get the all the right you know whatever you need the the paperwork to get this thing turned into a park and you see them at the very beginning they go to this one department that department's like i totally your 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 uh your pitch is amazing i would i would uh, say yes to this right now but you're gonna have to go to and they go and like you gotta go to this other department so they go to the next department and then they're the same way your pitch is amazing but we can't do this without this department's approval and then they go to that department and so on and so forth finally Uh, Of course, you know that they are going to end up right back where they started by the end of it because nobody can say yes to anything without the other department's approval. And it ends up in this uh, other office by the end of it. I can't remember the exact office that Bill Nye works in, but when the paperwork gets to his office and, and he realizes that there's nothing they can do with it, it goes into this, like I don't know, like purgatory pile, basically, where it's like it, it, where and and somebody's like, well, what are we gonna do about this thing? The pitch is perfect or whatever. And it's like it's like, well, it's not our it's not our problem now. It's like and it, it's and there's a there's a recurring phrase that I can't remember where he's like he's like it's like it'll be okay or something like that. Basically, like it's it's fine or something like that. Um, so. Bill Nye is running this office, and he's very just like you know, he's he he commands respect within his office, but he's definitely burned out. He's old. He's done with this. He's got um, a son who's about to get married to uh, to this one woman, but he uh, has just been diagnosed with, I think, cancer, and he doesn't have much long much longer to live, and he doesn't know how to tell his son about it. But it changes his course trajectory through the movie. And, um, and there is a, a great scene with him and Amy Lou Wood. If you ever watched uh, Sex Education on Netflix, you've seen Amy Lou Wood before. Um, there's a great monologue in there uh, at a restaurant that he has with her. But ultimately, he decides that he is going to make a difference before he dies. And this one particular thing where they're trying to make this park become sort of his mission. And I won't go any farther than that because you do want to like, uh, get the revelations of this movie. Um, uh, it's so well done. I don't, I feel like this movie didn't get any kind of, uh, play it got the Oscar nomination for Bill Nye, but I'm wondering how it got an Oscar nomination because nobody talked about this as far as I know. I mean, maybe maybe Aaron heard a whole bunch of discussion about this movie. I don't know, but, uh, but I'm surprised. May- maybe there was something about it being a remake of such a, a huge uh, behemoth in movie history. Uh, That you know kept people like I don't know I don't know why that would make a difference Uh, There's been remakes galore That have made a lot of impact And this one this one's just really good Movie I think you would love this too Jeremy Again uh, this is another one that I Think as Bill Nye is fantastic In it I don't think there was any world In which he was going to win the Oscar in that Category but he's so good he's so good in it and you know i know that you love him in about time and stuff like that mm. he this is going to give you that same about time feel uh for awesome. bill nye
1: awesome mm-hmm. yeah i've heard nothing but good things about this movie and his performance mm-hmm. uh, so it's definitely uh, one i hope to catch up to here mm-hmm. pretty soon all right i think it's time for the big old yeah. big old recommend
0: I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside.
2: Is it? I noticed. The big recommend is two shorts from the nineteen teens, nineteen tens. Uh, the Immigrant from nineteen seventeen and A Dog's Life from nineteen eighteen. But we will. St- uh, I guess we'll start with the first one. Uh, he, uh, Charles Chaplin was making a bunch of movies for this one studio uh, before he was able to get creative control himself on all the other stuff that he started making. And so this was one of his last movies that he had to make for a studio. And, and, uh, but uh, the, the, this, uh, this particular version I saw on HBO Max, says that he had like 90,000 feet of film for this movie that ends up being, it depends on when you saw it, I guess, because this one's 25 minutes, but I don't think it got much longer than that, even in its original form. Uh, and he also, Chaplin, spent four days and nights in a row without sleep editing in it to try to get it complete. Uh yeah. I can't even imagine how insane that must have been. But Yeah, geez. Uh, but uh, the immigrant starts off uh, uh, with uh, a bunch of people on a boat, and it has a visual gag of people basically looking like they're all sick, and Chaplin has doubled over the side of the boat looking like he's vomiting, but then he turns around and he's been fishing the whole time. This is a classic Chaplin thing that he does, by the way, where he's – where his back is turned to the camera and you think one thing is going on and then he turns around and it's something else um but uh but he it looks like he gets a fish and then he doesn't even want the fish he throws the fish uh into a (laughs) pile of sleeping people on the deck and uh and and we just see kind of a life there we see like uh they 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 uh they are, they go in for, for lunch and they, the boat, the boat is rocking back and forth. And so Chaplin somebody gets their bowl first and the, bo- the boat, the boat is rocking in such a way that the ball keeps on coming back to him. And he, he, he gets his bites as the bowl comes to him. And then it goes away and goes back to the other guy. And then it comes back to him and he just, he just eating his food that way. Um, and then there's a big gambling scene, uh, where uh where they're throwing dice and then one of the guys like loses all of his money in the dice game and then he goes and steals money from somebody who's a sleeping a sleeping passenger on the deck and he goes and they go play a card game after that and Chaplin's dealing Uh, and somehow he wins that one. I don't know what the whole, (laughs) I don't even know what they're playing in this, in this thing, but Chaplin ends up taking the dude's money again. Uh, but it's, it's, it's this other woman's money and her daughter notices that the, that her mom doesn't have her money anymore. And she's very uh, distraught about it. And Chaplin feeling bad, doesn't know that the money he just won is actually hers anyway, uh, puts a bunch of money in her pocket and then he's like well wait a minute i might need a couple of dollars and he goes back <laughs> into the pocket to get the money and of course he's spied out by somebody on the boat who's like who accuses him of being a pickpocket as soon as he does that but then once she gets the money out of her pocket she's like oh this is the money that i've been looking for all along and i imagine if this were a sound picture we'd we would be able to uh uh, sort of like uh re- like sort of enjoy that guy's confusion in the fact that he looked like he was stealing her money and then it she's happy that she has money all of a sudden yeah. um and uh and then they uh they uh they uh, uh, finally make it to the united states we see the statue of liberty and uh we have cut farther along into the story i believe at this point it's it's much farther along um Chaplin is uh who's playing his classic tramp character, uh, is uh finds he's he has he's no longer has any money at all. He finds a uh he finds a coin on the floor on the on the uh road that he picks up and it immediately falls back onto the road because he's got a hole in his pocket. And he goes in to eat uh some food where they see uh somebody uh somebody get beaten up mercilessly because they were 10 cents short on their meal <laughs> uh chaplin seeing this uh, uh immediately starts fishing around in his pockets and realizes he doesn't have any money to pay for this it ends up being this weird this fun little thing where like a, another customer comes in has the coin that chaplin found out in outside pays for his meal with it and the guy puts a coin, the, the waiter puts the coin in his pocket and it falls to the floor. And there's this whole thing where Chaplin keeps on hiding the coin so that the waiter can't see it. And the waiter keeps on stepping on it accidentally. And Chaplin keeps on trying to reach for it and can't get it and it has to do all this like misdirection and finally ends up stepping on it and like going down to tie a shoe. And as soon as the waiter turns his head, he, he picks up the coin and puts it in his pocket or whatever, or, or puts it in his, uh, his shirt pocket. Um, and, uh, and, uh, then, um, uh, I, I love the whole thing too, where there's this artist who suddenly wants to paint him and, uh, and the woman, the, the woman is played by Edna, Edna Perviance, Perviance, they did, he and she and Chaplin did 30 plus movies together. I mean, they're mostly wow. shorts, but she is in a lot of them, um, uh, but she's the, she's the woman from the boat that he got the money back to and, um, and uh, uh, this artist wants to, wants to paint them or something and is offering them money. And then Chaplin, who clearly doesn't have enough money to, to pay for this uh, dinner that he's gotten, uh, the artist says, I'll pay for your, I'll pay for your mo- your dinner. And, and as an, a matter of etiquette chaplain is like no 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 don't do that don't pay for us even though he really needs him to pay for the for the for the thing and i think he's hoping that the artist will will say no no i insist but he never does so so it ends up being that he doesn't he still doesn't have the money but the artist says i'll have my check too while he's sitting over there with them and they give him the check and he pays it and then he comes back and it has it has some change it has some change left. He leaves he ha- he leaves this big coin for a tip. Chaplin sees the big coin and realizes that it's going to be enough to cover his dinner. So he, t- he takes it and puts that on the bill and the waiter looks at it and is like, "Oh, okay, cool." And then brings <laughs> back this tiny tiny coin as as the change. And Chaplin's like, "Nah, go ahead. Keep that. That's your keep tip." That. And then, and then they leave, and the artist who thinks that he's tipped it leaves and the waiters like the waiters like yells at him for not tipping even though he clearly did and intended to but Chaplin stole it um and then there's a weird ending where Chaplin force marries the woman at the end i don't know what that's all about that was weird that was just plain weird um so i don't know what that was all about i um i guess that was funny back in 1917 so anyway yeah Yeah, it was a little... Well, listen, there are at least two
1: gags that I think Seinfeld cribbed directly from this. Of course, I think legions of movies and shows have cribbed from Charlie Chaplin's work, but there's a bit um, in Seinfeld where George is tipping the Calzone guy, doesn't get seen tipping. Yes, yes. And so he reaches back in to pull it out so he can do it again, but he gets seen pulling out the tips and is accused of stealing. And that reminds me of that moment you're talking about where Chaplin has put the money back in the woman's pocket and mm-hmm. he's like, I need a little bit for me. And he gets seen doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, again, at the end where the artist offers to pay, they go back and forth, I think, two or three times. He's like, let me pay. He's like, no, 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 let me pay. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. There's, that's in Seinfeld where George offers to cover the dry cleaning for Susan after Kramer puked on her. She's Mm. like, Oh, don't worry about it. And he's like, no, I insist. And she's like, okay, it was $17. And he can't later, he can't believe that she is letting him pay for this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just feel like watching this, one thing that I just kept thinking and one of my notes is that there's so much influence here. Um, Mm -hmm. there's so much that I've seen, um, other comedies, like when he eats the beans one at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's so much influence in today that, uh, I guess you know intellectually comes from these early films, but you don't necessarily make that visual connection until you see it. I laughed for very long in the eating of the beans scene. yeah, Strictly because of one facial expression the guy next to him makes. Yes. Because he eats these beans (laughs) solitarily, and the guy is like, he tries to go back to his own food, and he can't. He's like, he's perplexed. It's very weird, and it's... It's very weird. And then out of nowhere, Chaplin shoves the (laughs) knife in, picks up 50 beans, and puts the whole thing in his mouth. And the dude next to him makes this, oh! I had to rewind it two times to watch it again because his face is hysterical at how horrified he is. And this also something I wanted to say is that this movie is him, the waiter, and then there's a woman, when we first go into the dining section of the boat, that are all doing almost as great physical comedy as Chaplin himself is doing. That woman that is sliding back and forth across the dining room hall that people are trying to avoid, and then she trips Chaplin. um, Maybe not Chaplin. She trips somebody that comes in. And I was like, man, she's doing dynamic work. Yes. And ultimately, Chaplin gets all the glory. That big waiter uh, (sighs) was physical comedy like, Personified. I was so impressed um, with what he was able to do with just the way he carried himself and yeah. his face and his body. Um, but that dude next to him, that facial expression is, I'm putting that up there with uh, Mathows at the end of uh, <laughs> Taking train a Bell in One, and Two, Three. Yeah. Facial expressions in movies, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Because he's like just really kind of perplexed. And then he just goes from, whoa. It's horrified face to me.
2: Mm, that is a that is a thing, man. Like these these uh these other actors. Uh, I I especially noticed it in the next one, but like this one, yeah. Like there's people doing great work here that probably are have long been unsung. Uh, and, you know, stuff like that where they're doing those great expressions or or physical comedy or whatever that. You know they they don't get they don't get any of that kind of credit, but they're doing a great job supporting uh, Chaplin in the in this movie for sure. Um, yep. <clears throat> uh, in A Dog's Life, uh, we return to his Trump, Tramp character. Of course, he does this a million times. This character. Um, uh, this was his first movie that he was able to make outside of the studio system, so he had a cr- complete creative control on this movie. Uh, we. Uh, see him this time uh, he is uh, sleeping out in some sort of like weird fenced area of some sort in a city and uh, and uh, he's obviously very cold there's a point where like he stuffs a hole in that that's inside the fence with like a newspaper because that's supposed to get like i guess that's supposed to knock out the draft or something from that's coming from that hole and uh he puts his hands in a can and uh and then uh he's obviously hungry uh and uh a a hot dog vendor comes by and he's got access in this fence to like reach under the fence and get grab a hot dog without the hot dog vendor noticing. Of course, as soon as he does that, who the law is walking by, he's watching this. And I always, I love, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, if I saw this in a modern comedy, I'd be like, you know why doesn't the the cop notice this shit? But like back in this day, for some reason, it works. It works really well. The cop notices it, sees that he did it, and I don't know. Does, I, he does go after him, I guess. There's a lot of times though where things were. It's clear that Chaplin is is in is the perpetrator of whatever's going on in the scene, and people are just like oblivious to it. But uh, he puts the hot dog back. And uh, the cop chases after him, and and there's this fun little thing like we didn't see this before because there's a board blocking the bottom of this fence that the cop knocks over. Now Chaplin has a way of rolling back and forth uh, underneath this fence to one side or the other. So the cop first wants to go around into the into this fenced area to catch him. Chaplin rolls over to the outside. The cop goes over to the outside. Chaplin rolls back inside. And it just keeps going back and forth. And then finally he just runs away. Um, then uh, there's a point where we see this. We see this dog that is running around in the streets. Now that may be a little bit further along, but we there's a there's a point where the dog's running around in the streets. There's a bunch of other dogs running around, and he saves this one dog from all this these uh, other dogs, and uh, that's uh, they're calling him Scraps in uh, in uh, this in this um, and um, trying to uh, so uh, so he. Uh, he has this dog and he wants to go to this bar called the Green Lantern. It's mm. called the Green Lantern. And I, I looked it. to see if Green Lantern had any of its basis of its name in this movie. And I couldn't find any, anything that said that. But, uh, I mean, I guess Green Lantern is a common enough thing that you could come up with that on your own. But I thought that was really interesting that the bar was called the Green Lantern. Um, But uh, he goes to this bar, and of course, there's a big sign out there that says no dogs allowed. So he stuffs the dog down in his pants, and there's a tail hanging out. So when he walks in... Uh, to the bar it looks like he's got a tail and it's wagging everybody who sees him turns around and sees this sees Chaplin walking in with this t- tail wagging behind him and then he sits down and the tail starts hitting the drum and it's like <laughs> and it's you can hear the drum thumping um and uh and we see uh some entertainment uh one woman is getting all the accolades because she comes out and dances and it's all upbeat and exciting and everything but then uh, another woman comes out played by Edna Pervance again uh, p- who sings a really sad song and this is the first time I remember of something being I look I'm not an expert of movies that came out in the 1910s and things like that but there is some tremendous like Uh, like naked gun and you know stuff that got later on got inspired uh, uh, by this movie i think the over-exaggerated tears that are coming out of this one woman's face while this (gasps) while edna proviant sings this song is hilarious because it's just streaming in this like two like (laughs) two streams and then then by the end of it there's the the joke is she like I think she uh, slams her head up on a water bottle of some sort, and it sprays like this. It sprays this dude uh, full of water. Um, the bartender ends up seeing that there's a dog in there, and he kicks Chaplin out along with the dog. Uh, we go back into the bar, and we see that Edna Provence is uh, not not looked upon favorably by bar bar management because she's not bringing in uh, the, she's not bringing in the clients like she should. She's, and then there's a little thing that says, if you, if you give them a wink, they'll buy a drink. And, uh, so basically saying you need to smile more back in 1918. Um, and, uh, and one of the chaplain goes back into the bar and, or does he, is he still in? He may be still in at this point. He's still in the bar at this point. And he goes up to the woman, and this is this one, oddly, may have been my biggest laugh. The way she winks at him, and there's this odd expression on her face, like she doesn't know what she's really doing. And she's like, she, she's, she does this wink, and Chaplin goes over to try to like wipe something off for her. And she's like, no, 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 I'm flirting. And he's like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, cool. And, you know, and, um, and, uh, so, um, so yeah, I think this is this is this is where he gets kicked out and he gets and when he gets kicked out he goes back to his little place where he is uh where he's been sleeping this whole time. Just before he gets there though, somebody a mugger of some sort like a with a partner steals this money in this like big huge like billfold of some sort and buries it in that yard and puts it in puts it in this hole. And so Chaplin comes back to the uh, to this part of the yard and he uses his dog as a pillow and from what I understand they plied this dog with whiskey to make it look to so that he would uh, he would look so lifeless on the uh, ground so that he could be a, he could he could use him as this pillow because he's moving the dog wherever he wants to uh, right. on this and uh, from what I understand this dog wasn't like a big trained dog or anything either Um uh, but he's uh he's uh resting on him and the next morning the dog is digging and he's found the money and now Chaplin's like now we got to go back to the green lantern because I've got money and so they go back go back to the go back he, he brings the woman who's just been fired uh from the job into the bar they're going to have a good time but then the muggers are also at the bar and they see that they've got he's got the billfold and they not they hit him over the head bartender kicks Chaplin out again and uh Chaplin now needs to find a way to get back in there, to get the money, so on and so forth. So he goes back in. He goes back into those little those those little areas that I've only seen back in the day like in these 1910s, 1920s like there's a special vip section type of thing that's like a little bit elevated above the rest of the bar i guess and um, he's, he he goes over and he hits this guy over the head now talk about a guy who's doing a really good job the guy yep. who is <clears throat> the guy who's just st- there in unconscious the whole time is just like is amazing to me chaplin yep. does what we now know is a, an old trick of like putting someone's putting your hands through somebody else's shoulders and like pretending like your hands are their hands and so he's with this buddy and the 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 buddy sitting there like okay pulls out his money and everything and Chaplin's doing all this stuff with his hands and everything pointing over here and there and they're like let's have a drink and like they're they have a drink and he's like putting the glass up to the unconscious dude's face and then when the other guy's not looking he goes and gets a drink himself and then puts it back in and uh and uh and eventually he's like, All right, come here, come here, and he's like, come closer, come closer, and Chaplin hits him over the head with a bottle, and he knocks both of them out, he gets the money back, and then there's a big chase that ensues. And this is a thing that I love too, because this is I think we've always talked about how Jackie Chan seems to be inspired by Charlie Chaplin. Uh, mm. by, by certain things that happen in Chaplin movies, there's a couple of moments in here where Chaplin runs towards, he runs towards this, uh, uh, vendor stand of some sort and just kind of like, uh, jumps and le- and, and then like gets his body straight, like a plank and then falls into the, uh, into the stand. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, like a re- it feels like it's a really intricate kind of stunt for him to be doing um and he jumps into there and there's like this big chase going on uh the dog comes in and tries to save the day and um uh now i'm trying to remember what else we're going what what else is happening here (laughs) help me out i can't remember
1: um Um, well i mean basically uh the thieves get arrested and charlie gets away Mm -hmm. there's a there's a sausage vendor in this short that just gets absolutely fucked over by everyone yeah and uh, because charlie's dog steals a sausage from him early on charlie steals and gives it to the dog Mm -hmm. and then there's this whole sequence where every time the guy turns his back charlie steals another cake and (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's
2: one one of the best parts of the whole movie
1: (laughs) it is and i want to know what what those cakes were made of because he's not a large man and he downs like 12 of those fucking things um and uh it's it's a very humorous scene but that he's basically robbing the shit out of this guy and Mm -hmm. later on the chase with the crooks and the cops and charlie gets back to this sausage vendor and they they the cops start shooting Mm -hmm. um and uh the guy's place gets shot all to hell uh and when the cops when the when the bad guys come in there to get charlie he pops over the front, and the cops come around behind, and they arrest the two thieves, and Charlie runs away,
2: yeah, uh, and by the end of it, the the story that he's told that uh, Edna Provence at this point, you know, like they told him, like, you know, one day we can get a plot of land and blah, blah blah. And so that's what happens there. He's on a plot of land at the end of it, planting seeds. And he goes into to to his adoring wife at the end. They have a crib, but it's the dog that has had puppies, which is weird because the dog is a boy dog. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, They have the the dog has puppies at the end. And there's a happy ending uh, for them. But yes, I love that uh, that thing that when he's eating all that stuff that's on that plate, because. We, yes, it's the guy fun. even starts to kind of like try and like turn around and catch it Like he turns his back and then immediately turns around and Charlie's like,
1: "Well, oh, just dusting it off. i
2: to Right, s- right, and like I'm <laughs> I'm just trying to hit this bug that's here and all that. Um, but like the 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 I, I think about how the timing of this is. It's funny, yes, it's really funny that he's stealing these things when the guy is not looking. But I sit there and I think about. The timing has to be perfect or the joke doesn't work uh if if he turns around and sees him at all grabbing or his hand moving away or chewing if he sees him any in any doing any of those things then the joke doesn't make doesn't work and i've seen so many instances over the years in cartoons and in movies where like the timing is not right they should see this happening in front of them and then they just pretend like they don't it feels like to me Chaplin was very big on timing and it makes the bit so much better because every time that guy is just at the right point that right point Chaplin stops doing whatever he's doing and pretends like he's just standing there the whole time and i love that part of the they of the do thing. that
1: again in another sequence in, in this movie I love at the unemployment office mm-hmm. where everybody wants to get the nobody wants the job in the sewers but then they post a job for everybody races in there and Charlie's the first one in uh, but he keeps getting screwed over uh, by people knocking him off the bench but then one yeah. window opens <laughs> and Charlie goes to go to that window but somebody races by him and beats it to him then a the second window opens and for about two or three minutes he keeps getting beat to open windows by everyone else in the employment office and then they shut them and close <laughs> before yes. he gets a job um, and that is all about timing yes um, his timing but again all the other performers in that scene had to have perfect timing as well or the joke doesn't work
2: yeah um, you have to make it he Chaplin has to be like you're sitting there going why don't you just the the, the, the way they set up the bit is you can't just be standing there at the window you have to have you you have to have your number called or whatever so he can't just be there already he has to go back and wait every single time and every time somebody comes out with a number he gets beat to the punch and like and so when someone else comes out with a number or comes out with a a job thing he 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 turns has to realize it and then somebody comes racing past him before he can act on it each time uh yeah it's just it's just it's just kind of a it's kind of amazing looking at this we don't see this kind of timing on these kind of things anymore really like like I said a lot of times they just leave you up to say hey, you need to just pretend like this is like they didn't see it the whole time. So, um, anyway, I hope that you guys enjoyed those two shorts. I think you enjoyed them, right, Jeremy? For I months? absolutely
1: enjoyed them for sure. Yeah, for absolutely.
2: Sure. There's a million of these, and 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 uh, you know, there's there's he does a lot of inventive stuff and in a lot of these things. So it's a it's a lot of fun watching watching these things. Okay, now we did not discuss beforehand. How you would make a double feature for this? In, in, uh, by rule, I already have made a double feature for these movies. But you may have a double feature that turns into a triple feature, or you may have two movies that go with these two movies. I will be interested to see where you go on this. Shh. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? A
0: dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. <laughs>
1: All right, so I made two rules for myself right out of the gate when you announced these picks. Mm -hmm. But I was not going to be beholden to a silent film pick, and I was not going to be beholden to uh, a short. Mm -hmm. Um, That I wanted to try and get a tonal, um, if not also some story beats, match. Um, So again, I was never going to pick Buster Keaton for Mm -hmm. this stuff. Um, I was never going to pick, uh, any other shorts. I mm-hmm. did briefly go through some other slapstick, uh, like Mr. Bean was an option for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a good match. Uh, and I'm going to give you what I, th- I think my runner up and my top are both excellent picks, but I have good reasons for why I made my ultimate choice. The runner up, the one that was the leader in the clubhouse for days was the Wallace and Gromit shorts. Um, A grand day out, the wrong trousers, and a close shave. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a lot of slapstick, um, clay, physical comedy. um, But again, tonally, Wallace and Gromit are fairly harmless, if not noble. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, at least uh, the character in A Dog's Life that Chaplin plays um, is not entirely a good person. Yeah. it's not a, not a terrible guy. He's he's you know a homeless person who probably needs money and would love to buy a farm and get married with a woman. But uh, you know he steals all that food from the the vendor mm-hmm. and he goes pretty hard after stolen money that was never really his. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's got a, a animal that is helping or sometimes hindering him. Uh, and there's a pretty girl he likes, um, and so my my pick is Mouse Hunt.
2: Ooh, um, Mouse Hunt,
1: uh, which has uh, Nathan Lane and Lee Evans. Evans, yep. Um, and it is a, a slapstick comedy that is inspired by a lot of silent era and '40s and '50s era comedies. Uh, it's about two brothers who are inherited who have inherited this dilapidated but huge mansion. And for selfish reasons, they want to renovate it and auction it off. Uh, but there's a mouse. And the mouse starts off as a nuisance. Let's get this mouse. And the mouse is way smarter than them. And so they just keep escalating their attempts. They bring in Christopher Walken as an exterminator. They get the cat from hell to try and get the mouse out. They put mouse traps all over the giant kitchen floor, and knowing that the mouse will have to step on one of them. But he doesn't um, they are t- there are two girls that they are enamored with that they're trying to impress and win over um, everything falls to pieces by the end and then in a simple twist of fate uh, everything goes right for them because the mouse that inherited this from a string factory magnate uh, and the mouse drops some cheese into the string making, Machinery and they turn into cheese, string cheese magnates <laughs> and become wealthy and get the women that they love uh, and I just feel like this would be a really really good fun compliment as a modern sort of answer to yeah. these two shorts. So, Mouse Hunt is my answer. I haven't <clears throat>
2: seen Mouse Hunt since it came out. Uh, the 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 one thing that I remember about this was this was I had we had this at my old theater that I worked at. And um, it was one of the busiest days that I remember working at that theater. That theater didn't do like, like slam bang business or anything. But that was the there was a weekend where we had Titanic, Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, Scream Two, Goodwill Hunting. Oh Jesus! All those movies were playing all at once, and I remember Mouse Hunt even selling out that day. I think people turned away by other movies went on to see that one and uh whatever but i haven't seen it since 1997 so i'm i think i have to take a look at that one again give that one another look so it was
1: i i had such big expectations for dreamworks and this is one of the first handful of movies dreamworks put out Mm -hmm. and i when i saw it in theaters i was not super impressed with it um just like with The Peacemaker. A lot of early mm. DreamWorks films were uh, sketchy. Yeah. Uh, but I have seen it a couple times since then, and I find it really funny now. Like, I just sort of go in knowing what it is. Um, I can have a lot of laughs. Uh, I just thought it was a good match here for several weeks. Yeah.
2: There you go. All right. <sighs> uh, what All right. is next week's homework?
1: All right, everybody might have heard Chris say he's doing a thing. He's starting back in the 10s, and he's doing comedies, and I think he's going to. Either jump around or move forward through decades. Well, I'm not doing a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just making a weekly pick. and yep. I want us to go revisit 1998's Ronin. Ooh. Um, an action thriller.
2: You got um, De Niro on
1: the brain, man. I got, well, <laughs> De Niro and then this is a David Mamet screenplay. And Mamet yeah. has made a lot of uh, appearances on this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Not personally, He doesn't make personal appearances. Right. Um, and I will tell you that this is a movie about a mysterious woman. Ireland, who hires a bunch of basically Ronin, um, excommunicated intelligence officers from around the world. De Niro plays a, a former CIA guy, and Sean Bean is in this movie. Jean, Jean Renault, uh, Natasha M- Meckelhorn, I don't know how to say her name, <laughs> Stellan Skarsgard, um, Katarina Vit plays yeah. a Russian skater, <laughs> big stretch, yeah, um. And they're brought together to steal this mysterious case. And uh, then things start going awry. Um, and double crosses happen. And as Patrick is stating, it hmm. has some incredible car chases. Uh, some of the best, I think, of the modern era, even though that's like 25 years ago now. Yeah. Um, but I have not seen Ronin in probably five or six years. Uh, I remember the last time I watched it thinking it was really, really good. And I uh, can't wait uh, to go back and visit again. You can see it for free on Pluto TV, Tubi, and the Roku channel. And you can also watch it for free on Amazon Prime if you have a regular level subscription. And Google says it's on YouTube even for free. Hmm. So lots I, of places uh, to try and find Ronin.
2: I haven't seen this since it came out. I remember the car chase in it. Um, is this? Were you at Hollywood Twenty Seven when Tom Hanks came and saw this movie? Uh, when would, well, he was shooting depends. The Green Mile at the time, because uh, there was there was a story that people had at Hollywood Twenty Seven. Right. That Tom Hanks came and saw this movie while he was filming The Green Mile. So yeah,
1: I was not there because I didn't start until I think March of eighty or ninety nine. Yeah, yeah.
2: <sighs> so uh, that was a, an interesting uh, little thing that happened when they were shooting The Green Mile in Nashville. They <laughs> people started seeing these celebrities popping up at the Hollywood twenty seven. Uh, but um, anyway, all right, that should be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, I think that's going to be it for yeah, uh, this this uh, episode. Once again, thank you, Chat, for coming out and uh, and. Uh and talking during the during this you guys make us a lot better i believe uh didn't have questions to like uh to to throw around but we'll be doing that again i'm sure and yes i'm doing a thing i'm glad that jeremy's not doing a thing because it's just a (laughs) it's just it's what we're what we want to do and that's the type of that's what i love about it so uh yeah like yeah i'm gonna be going in order on the decades i'm gonna be 1920s 30s 40s 50s even oh. 60s slab yeah, yeah i'm gonna slab. be getting the 60s in there but um anyway uh thank you guys so much uh next week is ronan we'll see you next time see you guys see ya. goodbye bye <laughs> a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins chat with us on the CinemaSins Discord at discord.gg slash cinemasins or CinemaSins Twitter at cinemasins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinemasins.com that's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at cinemasins.com
1: Yard link, join the stream. Yard link, charamami. Mm-hmm. 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 So, I have an update. Yeah, my wife and I were driving to lunch Monday or Tuesday mm-hmm. of last week, mm-hmm. and uh in front of us there was a car with a new Tennessee license plate that did not contain a B. Ooh, and my wife can attest it broke me like for at least a mile of driving I just had this utterly befuddled face because as I ultimately said out loud this flies in the face of weeks worth of data mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. thousands of plates I've seen that all had a B and now here's one out in the wild that doesn't and it's from my county and how
2: I, about w- this now wait so okay shit this is gonna ruin my fucking idea before it's even over. Before it's even, because we got these new plates last year, right? Yes. Okay. So it's not this year. It's not a thing where like you saw the January, February, March plates and they had bees on them, and now suddenly they've introduced the April plates and there's different letters or whatever. So, right? Did you see the county? Yeah, it was
1: my county. Holy fuck! Yeah, man. I'm telling you, it's uh, as I passed this vehicle, ultimately. Uh, because I wanted my lunch more than they apparently wanted theirs. That's true. I, I, my windows were up, but I still shouted out as I went by. Where did you get that license plate? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> why it, do you always wear the? Absolutely. Same dress? <laughs> <laughs> you can't break up with the, with the phone. Why do you always wear the same? Dress? <laughs> That's one of my very favorite Seinfeld moments.
2: Yes, <laughs> I love. By the way, uh, throughout that entire series, how indifferent Jerry is to being broken up with or breaking up with. Some- he's usually the one getting broken up with because of something that they did, but uh, but he's so indifferent about it. There's never like a, a moment where he's like, I really like that girl, you know, because yeah. that's what that show was always about. Like never, ever have any dramatic moments whatsoever. Yeah. No learning. Yeah, You know. The best is the
1: that episode where uh, George is up and Elaine is down and Jerry realizes he's even Steven. Mm-hmm. And Elaine says, give me 20 bucks. And she does and she crumples it and throws it out the window. And then later in the episode, he finds a $20 bill in his jacket mm-hmm. and they're both like, oh. Mm-hmm. But this girl breaks up with him at the end of the episode and he's like, it's okay. She's like, what? He's like, no, it's all right you know th- things have a way of working out for me yeah
2: you know, have fun dating you good luck in your life right yeah <laughs> my favorite all time <laughs> response back is that one where the the, the one woman he's dating like it's like i can't go out with someone that i don't respect and he's like you're a cashier <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny
1: <laughs> she didn't like his act so yeah. she dumps him <laughs>
2: you're a cashier <laughs> uh,
1: that would suck though like if you fell in love with a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. before you ever saw their act oh, and yeah. then you saw their act and it was terrible mm-hmm. that would be, it would be tough
2: that would be tough, tough to deliver that news. although it happens all the time <coughs> from what I understand like pe- yeah. that that type of thing like kevin smith is always talking about how like like his wife is definitely not a kevin smith fan you know like she no, <laughs> no she loves me and everything but uh she doesn't like any of the, mo- the movies i put out you know that type of thing <laughs> she's even in one of them yeah exactly <laughs> yeah well but you and i have spent
1: so many years recommending movies to people and you know it's not always like oh i loved it and you know like that's how I learned my wife's taste is by recommending movies to mm-hmm. her. I showed her Training Day when we were dating. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Jesus, that, that was a
1: bad move, but I
2: didn't know. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: I would never show her that movie today.
2: Right. Right. One, but, that's um, one of those things where you want to strangle a younger you.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm really curious to see what this Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon artist, Equity, uh, studio does because mm-hmm. their whole their whole thing is they're going to distribute uh the returns of the movie um amongst all the crew in addition to the cast mm-hmm. so basically if you are part of creating something successful you will receive uh more money like i don't think that the grip gets residuals no but In in this instance, they will get a return. And so the theory is that everyone will want to do a really good job Mm. and will draw in the best talent with them uh, to try and create greatness. So they want to do A24 quality, but in a way that uh, basically puts equity in everybody that works on the film. Um, And I'm sure it's, you know stair step depending on what what level you are yeah but imagine being a grip going so i can work for this paramount film and get a paycheck or i can work for this artist equity project and get the same probably the same paycheck and then a bonus if the movie's profitable Mm -hmm. i'm gonna take
2: that yeah that's Um, an interesting little experiment i'd like to see how that works out yeah i mean
1: Um, there's certainly danger crashes and burns like I thought Project Greenlight was an equally interesting experiment mm-hmm. that never quite became what it could have been. Yeah. Although the reality show aspect of it was always entertaining.
2: Um, well, they but the, here's the problem with Project Greenlight for me: they immediately uh, cut creators off at the kneecaps when they you- said you have a million dollar budget and you can't go over it. Now, occasionally they went some, did some concessions here and there. And like, you know, I can get you an extra blah, blah, blah. But like, so they had to, they had to not only find a script that they could do for a million dollars or less, but they also had to get talent that could work for that. Paltry amount or who would, who would work for it. I'll never forget the, uh, i can't remember what movie it was but i do remember the guy coming into the casting office and going i was thinking sean penn for this and the casting director was like oh man i love sean penn you're not getting him